Welcome back to the Pocha Playlist. Andy, we just saw you. We hosted you over at our house. We recorded our Patreon episode, Strong Girl Namsoon, in person. How was it recording again like that? It was good. It was fun. It was nice to talk to you two uh, in person. Feels like a little bit more organic um, than over the screen. And uh, it's always nice to just like talk to people, communicate in person. Yeah. yeah. It's so much easier to record when we actually see each other, honestly. The, the one thing that's different, though, is like... Um, when I talk to you guys online, I can see my notes in front of me. So, but like this mm. time when I talk to you guys in person, like I'm looking at you guys and then like, oh, I was like, wait, where's my notes? Or like, where's the notes so I can like reference stuff. That's true. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but the episode is out on Patreon for everyone to go ahead and listen. But uh, do you guys want to talk about our overall thoughts just very briefly, Jenny? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we can talk about maybe where we ranked it, but it wasn't super, super high. But at the same time, you know, I think overall we still enjoyed it as a show. Um, the ranking for this was number 17, so right under Crash Course and Romance on our list. That sounds bad I at, know. For, at face value. True, but... I think we had a lot of thoughts and I feel like the reasonings behind why it was number 17 makes sense. Um, but overall, I think it was a very enjoyable show. I think there's just some gripes, as as always, the Pocha Playlist and their gripes. Um, yeah, so we just couldn't rank it super, super high, but it was a fun watch. Strong Girl was really fun. And while 17 out of, what is it, 21 mm-hmm. seems relatively low, if you look at just the four dramas above it, Crash Course in Romance, King the Land, Chosen Attorney, See You in My 19th Life, Bloodhounds. I mean, those are strong contenders. So it's within a very strong group of titles, I think. Andy, what did you think about the drama? Yeah, I mean, I think what Jenny said is we did have a lot of gripes for the show. At the end of the day, I mean, it's a comedic, it's an entertaining watch. Um, I feel like it's a good show to maybe put in the background where you don't have to pay too much attention to. Uh, biggest gripes for us were mostly like, you know, the character development and just like, it's always the gripes about the characters themselves kind of thing. Kind of like, they don't explain themselves for being themselves kind of a thing. Uh, so that was the biggest gripe that we had, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun recording that episode. Then it, And then after we all migrated to the couch and then Andy actually showed us a new, I guess it's a comedy variety show i want to say it's like physical 100 but for the comedy realm andy do you want to talk about that title a little bit yeah so apparently i don't know any of the comedians but it's about like top like i don't know like 10 or 15 comedians and then they all get together in like a group and then they do like they battle out doing like comedic stuff so like the first thing they do is like doing skits and the second one was doing like roasts or like stand up to each other uh and i didn't get to the third one yet but i mean it was entertaining the first couple episodes brandon was laughing quite a bit (laughs) Yeah, I think, okay, so it's called Comedy Royale, and we were watching it on Netflix. Um, I think you have to have very specific humor to find all of the things funny. There are some that were, like, actually funny, but, like, I don't know. There are a handful where I was like, "Mm, cringe, cringe, cringe. And I think maybe it's just because, like, culturally, there's a different sense of humor there. I'm sure it's, like, a huge hit in Korea. I don't know that for a fact. But, like, I can see why some jokes might be easier for other people to understand, especially, like, impressions and, like, that kind of stuff. It just went so over my head. Um, But, you know, it's interesting. I think a point you made when you were talking about it, Andy, was, like, they do have good critique on, like, Mm. how comedy should happen. 
and like you know kind of there's like these masters in this group who kind of judge all the other performances and they have good like notes that like they kind of give like hey this is crude which is why it's not funny this is a certain way which is why if you did it this way it could be better so there was like constructive informative pieces in there yeah i think there's definitely something for everyone i would say the reason why i was laughing is it's very elementary. It just seems like a <laughs> yeah. bunch of people who are who are together just acting stupid. Mm-hmm. And like that type of comedy makes me mm-hmm. laugh. Uh, I could totally see how for someone else it's like this is the stupidest thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. <laughs> and like not think it's funny. Um, I, actually, like I was talking to Terry about it and he didn't think it was funny whatsoever. He was like, really? this is... He's like, this is not even remotely funny. Oh, wow. But I remember, I think it was the first episode, you two looked over and I was like, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing yeah. at how funny it was. So I, I think everyone should check it out. Um, but I do agree. It, it's, I think it's like 50-50. Not yeah. everyone's going to like yeah, it. There's yeah, some yeah, jokes yeah, that are just sure. really went over our head and we're like, this is not funny. I, like Not even funny. It's like cringe or like distasteful mm-hmm. and i was like i don't really want to watch this like one of the masters always said turn it off turn it off and i kind of felt the same for like some of the jokes it's like oh this is a little too yeah. much <laughs> sure. yeah all right so we also since we finished the patreon episode and we did reveal which drama was going to be next for patreon on that episode i think it's only fair we now reveal it publicly i had done a poll on on discord and i think it was an overwhelming win for which title won Jenny, do you want to talk about... Actually, Andy, do you want to talk about it? Because you're already watching the drama before us. So I talked a little bit on the podcast already that Twinkling Watermelon, I mean, uh, we got a lot of requests for that one. Uh, So I started Mm -hmm. watching it the past couple weeks, and it's I'm still hooked on it. I'm currently on episode eight. Uh, I thought it has a really good storyline. You know, Jenny and I really like these type of storylines. I like the characters. Um, You know, they have really good character development so far is what I would say. Uh, I know for a fact that if we were watching this together with Terry, uh, number one of the year for him, probably just because of the (laughs) concept uh, of what happens in it. I don't want to spoil it for you two yet because you guys haven't watched any of it. But I know for a fact that Terry would like this show for sure. Give us, give us like, you don't need to read the Asian wiki because we'll Mm. save that. But what's like a one-liner to explain it? Because I know absolutely nothing about this title and why it's even called Twinkling Watermelon. It depends on how much I want to spoil it, but it's basically like the trailer does this as well. But it's basically a boy, a high school boy goes back into time to meet. He travels back into time and meets his like father and mother and kind of like, you know, like 17 again in a sense. But oh, the, back to the yeah. future. Wait, like back to, yeah, the, back future. to the future. I love that movie. But uh, he also starts a band with his uh, family member or his his dad. Oh wow! Oh, so that's, that's the Terry. Element, that has. You know? Wait, okay, it's so funny because I'm reading. I'm, I just googled it so that I could see the summary. But IMBD and Vicky have two very different summaries. The IMBD summary is sparkling watermelon will tell the story of a boy living a double life between a model student and band member. So I'm like, okay, mm. one type of drama. Vicky's description is literally. Time travel, love, and music collide as high schooler journeys to 1995. Can he unite his future parents? Don't miss this tale of destiny. And I'm like, these seem like two very different shows. Oh, the parents aren't together yet. So he... Oh, yeah, that's well, good. So that's the one thing I also found in like Asian Wiki and Vicky versus like IMDb and other stuff. IMDb and uh-huh. like, like regular Wiki tends to like be very vague. Like maybe they explain the mm-hmm. first like 10 minutes of the show. Whereas like mm-hmm. Asian Vicky and, and Vicky, 
they probably explained like the first like six episodes like for example my demon mm. like Brandon and I yeah. still don't know well, Asian wiki is too much Asian wiki is way too much spoils too much yeah fair enough well I'm really excited um, a lot of our people our plochas you guys have asked us to review this I've gotten comments DMs discord everybody's really excited for twinkling watermelon we did get a couple other options as well but it seems like this one really won by a landslide so we're really excited to review it in December and just for our plochas who were patreons in November we are really really sorry for getting that episode out late I know we always are like trying our best to do this monthly but sometimes it um, kind of slip so apologizing again for that delayed episode but we are committing to getting the final patreon of 2023 out on time so by december 31st before then you guys will get this episode but andy hasn't answered the question why is it called twinkling watermelon oh, or sorry. is that just like a big <laughs> reveal that we can't spoil no i think it's they explained in the trailer but i mean i think that's supposed to be implied that that's the name of the band Oh, that's the band name. I Interesting. Yeah. I wonder. I bet the songs are really good. Oh yeah, I'm excited for those too. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. All right. All right. So after we watched um, the the comedy show, we we watched both episodes of My Demon together, and mm-hmm. it was really fun not to record the Patreon episode, but it was fun watching another K drama right next to Andy. Yeah. And I. I'm a very casual watcher, but every time I would just look up, Andy and Jenny just had their eyes glued to the screen. <laughs> and I know how much they love it, so I'm just going to pass it off to Jenny and let you take it away. Sounds good. Cheers! Alright, so we're talking about My Demon episodes 3 and 4. I do agree, it was really fun watching with Andy because, like Brandon said, he's a very casual watcher. So sometimes I'm like, oh my god, did you see that? And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> but Andy's also like, yeah, oh let, my let gosh, me rewind did it for you. you. <laughs> I know. And we're like rewinding it, like analyzing the table, be like, ooh, who done it? Who was a killer? <laughs> so like, like Andy's like fun predictions that he drops on the episode, he does yeah. that as he's watching. Yeah. He's like, oh, I think this is going <laughs> to happen, or that probably means this. Exactly. So it was really, really fun watching with Andy, not to, you know, discount your... your um... Hey, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> but you're fun too. But anyways, so I won't even bother asking if we still like this show because i think so far we are still enjoying it um right now so let's just get kind of into the fantasy element so i know one of the major gripes we always have with these fantasy shows is like is it starting to get confusing are we still understanding what's going on so wanted to pass this question to you guys are we getting confused at all or are things still like slowly unraveling at a good pace and we're on board just wanted to you know temperature check with you guys on that just on the fantasy element, I, I'm I'm cool. It, yeah. It's it's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't even know if you're like, did I miss something that makes it complicated? But no, it seems very straightforward so. in my yeah. head. Yeah. Whenever they are together, the powers work. He is starting to combust, and <laughs> you're right. Yes. He he signs some type of contract, and so they're together. So pretty cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I think you, the Andy? fantasy element is totally fine. I think um, they explained just enough where we can talk about it and try and predict things. That's exactly how we kind of want to see these like fantasy elements. Um, and they're going to explain things hopefully in the next couple of episodes. But I think it's totally fine so far. Yeah. Okay, good. Because I feel the same way. And I actually do appreciate this whole demon manual that they go yeah. uh, like back to. Because it's kind of like we're all learning and figuring this out at the same pace that demon is figuring it out. So I feel like we're not lost yet. And we're all just kind of trying to put the pieces together. So I'm glad that we are. nobody is lost so far. All right, so next big thing is the romance. I think in episodes three and four, our girl princess 
falling for Devin pretty hard, right? You guys think that she's pretty all in. Do you guys think she realizes that she likes him yet, or is it still kind of like she likes him? But no, she I think he's. Know. She's in this phase where like she doesn't like him, but they have these moments of like she's smitten by him. But I think mm. it's also because she hasn't really experienced like true love yet, so she hasn't like you know. She doesn't know what she's realizing, what she's feeling. So, like, in her exterior, she's like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. But deep yeah. down, we know that she's starting to, like, start to slowly fall for him. Yeah. Brandon, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I agree. I forgot who said it. It was either you or Andy. Uh, one of you two said that she was going to fall for him first, and then he was going to fall for her even harder. Yeah. I don't think the latter portion of that has happened just mm, yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we get a very one second snip of that starting to build right at the end with the the tango scene yeah. but i do think that she is into him and i i will say when she proposes to him and he denies that actually caught me off guard i know right? i was ready for him <laughs> to say yes but i actually after he said no i was like this is a better angle. yeah yeah needs some yeah. more time because it's still early we're three episodes in and this is a full 16 year right yeah, yeah exactly that's the so push true. and pull is, I think, great in the show because, like, we don't want it to be too early. Like, for example, King the Land was, like, episode one or two or something. Like, it was way too quick. Mm-hmm. Where this one, like, we need a little bit more tension. And I think that was perfect yeah. that he said no because I also explained his reasoning and his character of why he said no. He's, like, a little mm-hmm. bit more arrogant still, which is great. And yeah. I like that. Like, the push and pull for me is very sexy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that makes sense at all, but, like... It's not annoying. And he's not even playing hard to get. He's just like a really well-written character. He's just yeah. like... He's, non- he's nonchalant about yeah, it. He's like a doofus. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, just- whoa, whoa. That's <laughs> not really what I was going for. But sure, if you want to put that word on it. Well, I think it's good because, you know, typically in a K-drama, you have the arrogant CEO with a childhood trauma, you know, and he doesn't know what love is. He's he, he thinks he's so full of himself because he's a CEO. But I love the spin on this because it's like he is a demon. He is just not, un- he is not a human. He looks down on humans. He is arrogant, not because he's a CEO, but because he is a demon. Yeah. He does not understand these human things because he is a demon. So like, I like that twist and it just makes it, like a little bit different and a little bit interesting and i feel like um the show then can use that fact to kind of fall back on as well be like you know he's kind of morally gray because he's a demon but she's gonna change him and we start kind of seeing that already and that just makes this show more fun and i think one of the critiques that like we always have as a group is like why are do they like each other when we watch these um you know romantic shows or like why do they like each other what made them fall for this other person and i feel like recently we've had a lot of shows where it's like just like bam one moment instantly in love that's it and like we're kind of like oh okay i guess and it's just like developing their love story but i think this goes back to like the k-drama tropes and the roots of like why we watch these shows because of this back and forth and like the push and pull and i think that's what really keeps us going with these k-dramas i agree yeah all right so let's talk about the tango scene at the end because i think this is the first time their relationship like dynamic kind of shifts a little bit because up for episodes one two and mostly three as well it's really just demon kind of coming to princess's rescue right like with the acid situation you know even when they first kind of meet and then even um what at the grandma's funeral you have him kind of helping her out you know changing her dress to white to like make her happier to see the grandma like all these things it's like him helping her but i would say at the end of episode four at the tango scene this is the first time that she comes to his rescue and i actually really like that what did you guys think about that moment 
No, it's great. I feel like we don't really see a lot of scenes in K-dramas where the female can go and rescue the male lead from something like that. And he looked so vulnerable in that moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is a demon and he was hit over the head really hard. He was bleeding. And even I was like, oh, shoot, where is this going to go now? But just like the famous like crash landing, (laughs) like the the candle across the uh, the alleyway scene yeah you know he looks up and then he sees her standing there with the whistle and i was like dude this is this is the moment this is a top five <laughs> drama right here it's gonna get so good yeah i didn't expect it to then turn into like a tango scene but i'll take what i can get it was a great scene yeah yeah the tango scene video. itself i don't like i think it's cool that she came for it the tango scene's a little mm-hmm. bit too far-fetched for me it was like it, it was it was funny Cringe. but like i kind of wish it was a little bit more different i I don't i don't know Mm. i don't like that like the route of it but all things considered i do like that she came there's that one line she says i'm my bodyguard's bodyguard i thought that was really cute yeah Yeah. Yeah. and i really like just like the fan the way the fantasy element is paul plays in this like she relies on him but he is like forced to rely on her as well Uh, and i think that's cute and also what brandon also said earlier like i think it's cool that like she comes to the scene for him i think it's cool in k-dramas that they showcase that both people in the relationship have like i guess power in a sense that uh, mm-hmm. like that can they can both benefit each other as opposed to not just like one person that's always helping the other which is great uh, i kind of want to see that yeah for yeah. sure we still haven't seen her use her powers on her own just yet yeah. so maybe they really can only use it when they're is the rule that they have to be touching like it's skinship? i think so i think it's like he has to touch her arm with the tattoo and i think only he can still use the power that's what it sounds Uh, like yeah so far yeah yeah. it doesn't seem like she can actually tap into that i am glad that the hurdle that we see sometimes in these types of dramas where you have to truly believe in the supernatural wasn't that big Mm -hmm. like she is more or less understanding and on board that he is a supernatural demon yeah Mm -hmm. and that's not an issue going forward yeah, so far. I mean, it seems like she was kind of like, okay, you seem a little off. But then after this tango scene, I think truly she will recognize, yeah, he is not human. And I think it'll be fine. I really like the um, the funny pieces that like now he's also part of her workplace. So, you know, it's like every single K-drama trope is like getting smashed into this one. Because now we have the office romance mm. um, involved in their relationship, which I always love. I think it's wild how many office romances exist in K-dramas. Because I feel like in the U.S., like there's not that many forbidden office romances. <laughs> yeah, or I'm sure it's forbidden in most places. But it's just wild how much K-dramas happen to that. But um, I'm absolutely loving this like secret hand-holding situation or like the storage closet. Like, oh, we have to hide from our coworkers stuff. Like, oh. I love that stuff. So really happy that they're adding that element in as well. All right. So let's talk about Demon's character a little bit. So, you know, last week, Brandon, I think you brought up a really good point about Demon's morals and just kind of how he's maybe not exactly a good guy, quote unquote. Um, But I feel like these episodes, you know, we're starting to see that shift slightly. But wanted to kind of throw this to you and see if you're kind of feeling that way as well. I I see... I know which scene you're talking about. I think the the one that really hit me for these two episodes was the the child. Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking because we watched it a few days ago. Um, the child was gonna... Basically, the mom needed to trade her life for the kid in yes. a nutshell, right? Right. And I really liked that because when you just take it at face value, it looks one way. But there was that scene where Princess was eating and she sees the family and I mm-hmm. think she realized like, 
I think the mom even said like I would have traded my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really liked that angle, and I think it puts a different spin on how you can view these types of things and how you view life. It's really yeah, interesting. For sure. Do you guys feel like maybe because you know this deal with the kid that Brandon's talking about? This is one of the first deals that Demon had to make with Princess in tow, and so Princess saw the whole thing, and initially she was like very, very upset at him for doing it, and I think even to the point where Demon goes back there just to kind of see them again because he's now like a little bit conflicted do you guys feel like there's going to be a point in the drama where he starts like reneging these contracts you know and just kind of like you know maybe Mm. the mom doesn't ever have to go to hell like do you guys think that that's going to be somewhere in the future or you know have to go by the contract that it is what it is i I don't think he's gonna start reneging oh Okay. But I I think maybe he'll be more selective on who he chooses. Mm. Andy, what yeah, I think say? like there might be a, posi- a position where he is forced to like finish the contract and he doesn't mm-hmm. go with it. And maybe if he doesn't do the contract, obviously he, maybe he just combusts or something, and he has to like you know live with those con- consequences. So um, maybe that's a good like del- moral dilemma to to talk about. We did talk about this off the podcast while we were watching it though, talking about like moral dilemmas. But there was a line that, like, you know, demons were the guardians and everything. And then we did talk about it, saying that, like, oh, he probably is a guardian. And he is, like, I forgot the full conversation. But uh, I think because he's a guardian, that means he's, like, a good character. And he's doing it for a certain way. And he's always been, like, the, the human guardian kind of a thing. Yeah. So I think the what you're talking about in terms of the guardian was in the manual or something like that. I think his um, secretary or the person who like serves him, he was like, hey, did you know that originally demons are guardians? Mm-hmm. And it seemed like at a certain point it was like kind of a choice. And in this case, demon chooses to be a demon. But originally, demons were supposed to be guardians. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting out for demon in the future where it's like, instead of continuously choosing to do these contracts maybe there's something else in the manual where he just becomes one person's guardian which in this case could potentially be mm-hmm. princess so i feel like it opens us up to a possibility where you know he doesn't have to stay a demon which i think is really really helpful right because at this point we don't want the main lead to be a bad person and i think it's good that the k-drama has like opened this potential for us to go in a different direction yeah uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on, I, I I was very excited to see our favorite grandma be in all 16 episodes. Oh, I know. I feel like her death was a big shock for me, especially with how they found her kind of just lying dead in her, what is it, a greenhouse or something? Yeah. I think the rain's got to be off for Pocha. Like, let the crazy predictions go, right? Like, Andy, give me your best one. Like, because that's, that. there's no way where you just find the grandma dead like that and yeah. you don't have a crazier backstory. So the prediction, the prediction was that it? I gave while we're watching it, and then I think we talked a little bit about it last week as well, was that she was contracted. Uh, I think younger, she basically was contracted by a demon. I We think it's a separate demon that is not currently... Uh, our main demon is just a separate one uh, and her contract basically expired and that's why she's also always asking for forgiveness because maybe mm. part of the contract was to make her successful or maybe it was the, the cause of princess's parents death uh, and so that's kind of what I'm thinking about okay so you still think that she made the contract and her time was just up yeah but from okay so let's explore that one then let's say that that is the angle so then what it becomes the objective they need to go catch 
the demon that made the original contract because that's contradictory because Songgang also makes the same contracts you can't see that that yeah. demon is yeah. worse than Songgang's like where does that angle take us for the rest of the series then well I think there's going to be an interesting like who did it in the family as well and I think what mm -hmm. could be the case is you know we spend all of our time assuming Andy's theory is correct there could be it's like a, okay did somebody from the family kill her you know and it's like who's the one that poisoned her medication but it could be that the end the end of the day it was it wasn't truly the family who was the one that did it it still could have been the demon but i could see us going oh, in that direction it could also be maybe a family member was contracted with we love these demon contracts they contracted oh. with another demon to kill the grandma because they they want power so they're they're like contract is like i want the power i want to succeed in power kind of thing mm. and that was maybe the contract or something i i'm getting confused now so andy is saying that the grandma contracted with another demon. Jenny, are you saying that it's someone in the family? So I was, I think that's the direction of the show. It's definitely going to go into the family, right? Because like you have a bunch of suspect people in the family. You have the oldest son, the oldest son's wife, the oldest son's um, son. And then you have the daughter. The whole family. The, the whole, whole family, family yeah. essentially, right? <laughs> like everybody is a suspect. And I think the only innocent one is Princess. And so she obviously thinks that there is foul play because they found out that the medication that Almighty Grandma was taking was swapped out for something she's allergic to, which we think is the reason why it triggered her heart attack. I think, um, you know, most of the next couple episodes has to focus on the family and who did it. I think what a cool reveal could be if we combined Andy's theory is that, you know, we think it's a family member, but the, at the end of the day, it's actually a demon who did it. Mm. And the medication swap actually didn't have anything to do with her death. And it was actually just a demon who came and gave the heart attack. Because we know that's like... You know, that's kind of what um, Demon used there's, on there's one of his previous or, people. Yeah, yeah Got exactly. It. Okay, so Andy is team contract demon. Are, so which you have to choose a side. Which one are you? Family or demon? Mm, I think demon, but family also is trying to kill her. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I think it's fully family. I don't mm, think there is. No I don't want to do a baddie behind the baddie for this one. Okay. So I think it is someone within the family. Mm. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, other crazy prediction. Because Gra Almighty Grandma is truly a very popular actress. Mm -hmm. Do you guys think there is a chance that she faked her death? No. No. Really? That'd be too much. Yeah. No, like much. she faked her death to see who the family <laughs> and then episode 16. She's like, haha, suckers, I'm alive. And I see all the shady stuff you guys did. No. no. I, I don't <laughs> think that's what the show I feel like the show's no. not as much as like too much the political kind of like mm. family kind of thing. I feel like yeah. it's a little bit more vying more on the side, the romantic demon contract. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Well, you know what? I, I changed my answer. Oh, okay. I want, I think I, maybe the show wants us to think it's someone in the family. I'm just going to go curveball. Maybe it's, I don't think it's someone in the family. Someone outside the family. Someone outside the family. Like the leather mm. glove person, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Just anyone. Okay. That's it's not right in front of us, you know. Okay, well, let's talk about the leather glove person since Andy, you brought it up. The leather glove person, you know, may or may not have been the person who swapped out drugs, right? Do you guys have a theory for who or prediction for who you think that might be? Princess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have no, no, no clue. Ideas? Like, I have no idea. Really? I have no predictions for this leather glove guy in general right now. Because I feel like they haven't given us that much information. I feel like it's the eldest son's son. So, oh, like, okay. 
the the one who smokes a lot, yeah. the smoker. Mm. I think it's him. Oh, that's why he wears the leather glove. I think maybe. I also know that like apparently the grandma was talking to leather glove person, and she was like, after they left, she was like, oh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm. And you know that they were talking about like he killed somebody. The, the dad know, was the drunk killed the drunk driver. Or right, so we driver. know that yeah. the dad, yeah, killed somebody while he was driving drunk. So I feel like maybe it's the son who's the leather yeah. gloves. But that also just goes back to, like, I don't think the son actually has it in him to, like, kill Mighty Granny. You know, like, I think he has the least amount of, like, reason to do so. But so I don't know. Brandon? I think one thing that we're not thinking about is you have to be very, very stupid. And I want to give everyone in the family the benefit of this of the doubt that if you just kill someone and you expect to receive either the inheritance or just by nature of the succession that you're going to win everything, I don't think that's very smart. Mm-hmm. And in the end, even though grandma died, she gave everything to princess anyway. Yeah. So what was the whole point of killing her at that point? Yeah. Which is why I don't think it's someone in the family. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because she was already that's investigating the financials, right? Remember she was like yeah. calling someone right before she died. Yeah. And I think if if I wanted if I was within the family, I thought it was very weird that right at the funeral, the will gets read and it goes to princess as long as she marries someone and then she proposes to the demon, you know, yeah. right in front of everyone. Like if I was a family member, I would like I would blame princess. I'd oh, like, you think she's the one that killed the grandma? Yeah. I'm not one. saying that that's what I think. No, I, yeah. I see what I see we're saying. Like the family members like would be blaming princess at that moment, right? Right. It's like it's that's why it's just like I don't think it's anyone within the family. Mm, yeah. Fair enough. Well, then who do you think it is? Demon. <laughs> well, we do have this mysterious uh, character at the very, very end of the show where he's got this little camera poking out, you know, taking a photo of them doing tango. Do you guys remember mm-hmm. that? Yes, yeah. I do. And I think uh-huh. it's implied that it's the serial killer guy, the one with the masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Do you guys think the serial killer is the one that killed the grandma? I mean, we kind of didn't well, even talk know. about him, but he's still out there looming. Well, yeah. last week for last week on our episode for serial killer, I was certain that it was the it was um, the finance guy. I, I I'm blanking on his name. Yeah. Um, in in Korean, but I thought it was within the family that hired the serial killer. But now I'm starting to second guess that. He, you know too yeah i don't know i feel like we don't have enough information about all the baddies like so far honestly everyone's set up as a baddie except for our main leads at this point and the only other person who was not suspect was granny and i think now she's gone even um princess's secretary i'm like oh i did i called sus on her Yeah, you called sus on her so we will see but i think the stage is set for the next two episodes you know we have the condition for princess to inherit everything that granny had which is she needs to marry somebody which is fun because even in the clips we're seeing she's kind of just going to anyone asking for their hand in marriage and demon is her quote-unquote bodyguard and he's just like oh you're gonna really ask that guy like really and so i think the jealous era is coming and that's what we love on this show so i think next couple weeks are gonna be very very exciting andy so i guess jenny was right so there is a contract marriage and we just totally missed (laughs) that huh yeah. Okay, to be fair, it's we just reviewed episode four and technically there still is no contract marriage between Demon and Princess. Asian so, Wiki like, spoiling everything. I know. Asian <laughs> Wiki is like eight episodes ahead or something. <laughs> so can't really blame yeah. you guys. But yeah. I think it wraps up our my demon episode. Not not to 
not to throw Andy um, under the bus here, but I do think that he he made a very interesting observation that I, I want him to say on the podcast. Andy, you mentioned this like filming technique where um, it was like the oh. reflection and like they only did it for certain people. Can you mention that on the podcast? Because I thought I was really blown away when you caught that. Oh, no, detail. there's that one part when they found out that Granny was dying and the family members were together in their room. And there's like a lot of film techniques to showcase like predictions or allusions to the future of like what's going to happen foreshadowing foreshadowing yeah uh and they foreshadowed like the the, they did a reflection on the table on two of the characters and i think it was Mm -hmm. like the one of the moms and then it was the the son and um that showcases that like that maybe they're like two-faced um and Mm. they're like they're like a liars in a sense um or it could just be an artistic style but it is a good way to showcase like theme and like foreshadowing and if they don't use that like it's just like wasted like it's it's a good way to to help foreshadow things yeah Yeah. it's pretty cool all right so that wraps up my demon now we have the long-awaited new drama alert we are going to be reviewing sweet home 2 episodes 1 through 4 this is a netflix drama and i think eight episodes are all out at once so we're gonna do this over two episodes four and four i'll go ahead and read the asian wiki for this drama and jenny is this asian wiki from season one or season two it's season two um it's pretty brief so i think we can just kind of go through Cheers! All right. So, residents of green home apartments, including Cha Hyun-su, Songgang, fight against monsters to leave their base and venture out into the world. At a baseball stadium, survivors from all over begin to live together. They are threatened by the monsters outside and also by the monstrous desires of the people among them. So, we have a lot of characters. There's just so no many. way that we can go through all of them, but just for the sake of this review, I'm going to re- I'm going to mention a few of them. So, we have Hyunsu, which is Honggang. I'm probably we're probably either going to call him Honggang or Demon. <laughs> we have Ijinuk he is the gangster from season one. We also we also saw him recently in Tuna. We have the famous Yi Xiang. She is the firefighter, also like special ops person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what we want to call her. I think we might have called her firefighter Fi- in season firefighter, one. Yeah. So yeah. we can go ahead and keep that name. We have the famous Kominzi, Andy's the love Favorite. of Andy's life. <laughs> Best. So we'll keep good. calling her Kominzi. We have famous actor Jin Young. He is a new cast member. He's the just army person, mm-hmm. right? We have one of my favorite actors, Yuo Sung. He is Tak In Hwan. He is uh, this brooding uh, army, army person. He's in one of my favorite gangster movies from back in the day called Chingu. Uh, he has the scar over his face. Mm-hmm. We have our favorite Dino Nugget character. <laughs> he plays the mad scientist Dr. Lim. We have another famous actor that I like, Kim Muyar. He plays kind of second in command army yeah. person. He leads his own team. Mm-hmm. And then you have this uh, person named Kim Shia. She actually played the younger version of Panjim in See uh, My 19th Life. Mm. And her character name in Asian Wiki is just girl. Yeah. So a lot of characters. Andy, last year when we were reviewing Sweet Home Season 1, you didn't join us, but we forced you to watch Season 1 <laughs> to be prepared for this one. So I want to pass the, the floor over to you. Like, What are your thoughts of Season 1 going into Season 2? Yeah, I mean, I'll just give my 
brief thoughts on season one. Uh, back in 2021 or 2020, we had the Poacher playlist decided to rank Sweet Home number five. And then I looked at wow. the ranking and I was like, yeah, I think it's right on the hits, hits the mark perfectly at number mm, five uh, nice. in that. Um, but so yeah, Sweet Home, I have a really fresh perspective because I just watched season one uh, briefly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot better than what you guys talked about i thought you guys said the way what i heard from what you guys was like it's a scary monster show the cgi is not that good but it gets the job done kind of a thing um <laughs> but i think the show is really really good i think it has really good character development uh, all the mm-hmm. different characters have such like different personalities uh and in the season one it was all taking place in this big apartment building and i really liked how they did that whole apartment building uh, like style because mm-hmm. you know it's during the pandemic and then it's like i feel like it's reflective yes. to like you know real time and then talking about like people's like desires and emotions which is like kind of reflective to r- real life so i thought that was mm-hmm. a really cool like theme that they were going on on that one um but in this season they are now venturing outside the apartment so now things start to open up and when things start to open up then um things can go south or things can go north so for example what we've seen in season two in episode two they start to go into the stadium this facility with like you know the mad doctor and everything Uh, and this was giving me like late black knight vibes where they're going Mm. to this big facility and i wasn't sure where this was going but i'm very very glad that now they left that area and they are now in the situation in this new uh, place and i'm kind of happy that it's going this direction yeah so that was a great segue, Andy. So let's let's talk about season two. I I I want to be honest, Jenny. You and I we haven't recapped or watched season, Sweet Home season one in a while, and yeah. so I honestly didn't remember a lot of season one. And and you know I even mentioned to you, Jenny, maybe we should watch the last episode of the prior season, but we decided not to. Mm-hmm. And I was a little bit lost. Mm-hmm. And one thing that caught me by surprise is right when you're starting this new season, I want to say there are three groups. You have the rest of the the team with Gominzi. You also have the nurse from It's Okay Not to Be Okay. They're kind mm-hmm. of like the survivors. They're being yeah. led to the sanctuary. Yes. You have Songgang, and you have the gangster actor, but it's the bad demon in the gangster actor's body. So yeah. they're another group. And then you kind of have the firefighter on her own mission semi-linked to Songgang's group but she's kind of doing her own thing mm-hmm. did you like coming out of season one where everyone was trapped in the sweet home residence now they're all outside and all separated did you like that angle no i so i just watched season one and literally just falls immediately after you know like they're driving right. the car literally right after uh, i thought that was fine um i i think they kind of needed a break from the group i think they've been together for so long uh, i did like like Song, the thing is, Song Kang, he's been like, he's been supported a lot by the survivor group, and they've given him mm-hmm. so much more. Like his moral situation is based on theirs willingness to help him despite being a monster and now that he's by himself with this like i call him like a parasite kind of a, like monster um yeah. his morals is starting to shift and i do like that he's starting to stand out and like he's still able to withhold his own morals despite everything that's happening around him mm. yeah jenny sure. how was it for you because you unlike andy are going into this fresh after one or two years of not watching any of this yeah i think 
what um, I did appreciate the separation because I do think that now that we're out of the apartments, there's a lot of the world to be touched on. You know, you have the people who are true just survivors and they just need to make sure to be safe from the monsters. So this is like Gunnunzi's group, for example. And so I'm glad that we have that perspective of like, what is everybody in the world going through? Because season one, you don't really see any of that. It's really just the apartment people and what they have to deal with. You don't get much of the outside. So it's good to be like, okay, this is like the larger you know groups like uh, direction in this kind of apocalyptic situation but i do like the fact that song kang is kind of on his own as well and he's dealing with this you know demon kind of head uh you know one we run in a way where it's like we need to now figure out how to cure this issue so he's kind of at the forefront of that and in the middle i think it's interesting that firefighter kind of has her own little storyline because she is pregnant she's looking for her husband who is truly you know one of the uh, in the worst situation of this whole group i would say he's the one being experimented on so i think it's good that we have that separation i do think though like one of the reasons why i loved season one of sweet home was the apartment complex situation and just a lot of the emotions that stem from like everyone's individual stories and i think a little bit of that was lost and i think it's been a while since we watched sweet home one at least for brandon and i so like some of the deaths that occurred and some of the just situations that happened like i think it lacked some of the emotional impact that season one had on me because you're kind of starting off with everyone from the beginning but now it's kind of like oh i guess we're just getting rid of a lot of cast and then just kind of getting introduced to new people so that was kind of how i felt about the spreading out and just introduction of new um, characters well said for the for the remainder of this review guys i'm going to separate episodes one to three and then four on its own. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think it's pretty obvious why we need to do that. Mm -hmm. And then let's just go through some of the characters where we have a semi-solidified ending, at least up until episode four. So let's just finish Hong Gang first. Andy, what did you think about how Hong Gang's angle ends at the end of episode three and his epic fights, you know, plural, with that parasite demon? Like, did you like their storyline at the base? I mean, I was kind of confused. Well, okay, so... So Song Kang brings this parasite into this facility and like obviously Song Kang's pissed at this guy because he killed all of his friends and like yeah. he's mad at him. He's bringing this guy in. Why don't you just tell the guards like, hey, this guy's a parasite and he can like swap out of his body. So you got to keep an eye out on this guy. But he didn't say that, right? And so obviously, of course, the parasite gets loose and does all that, you know, in this high security thing. So like the whole thing right there was a little bit like over my head. I was like, okay, guys, there's security. You need to make, make sure to watch this thing. Uh, and then Songkei gets petrified. Um, I, I guess that's fine. I, I'm for sure. I think Songkei's gonna come back. He's he's mm -hmm. definitely not dead. Uh, he's, he's too <laughs> much of a demon to like die right there. Yeah, so. yeah. I think it's oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm like not one way or the other. I took him as like potential to be the strongest, if not the most important demon. So when he just got kind of totally run over yeah. by the parasite demon in yeah. that epic battle, I mean it was great TV, but like. There's no way he's he's dead, right? Yeah. There's no way he just turned into a rock and no we're not going to see Songgang anymore. Yeah. Well, I actually, you know, I did like that fight, but I thought was even more interesting was the fight he had before where he's getting like sprayed with blood and, you know, oh, he's yeah. fighting that like big demon. I think that one was interesting cuz we get a showcase of his actual power that's like different than the rest of the demons where he can kind of like help people remember mm. their lives as humans which i think is really really crucial because you know i think that's why people need to 
you know, keep him different than the rest of the demons because he has that ability. We also see that girl, the little girl that we find in episode four, also has that same ability. So it seems like, you know, you have these certain people, including Sun Kang and girl, who might be the answer and the cure to this whole kind of situation that we're dealing with. Um, so it was really great to see that power come into play in season two. And I remember, did they show that at all in season one, Andy? Or did it just get introduced I think now? it just fully got introduced with that mm. you know, that that big monster. Yeah, I think like I see, it I probably see. alluded to it in season one because he did, was able to like talk to them a little bit. Well, it's actually more like the survivors that was talking to him when he's going mm. to a rage. So maybe mm. that's how he kind of picked it up from you know the survivors of being like a good oh. like moral person. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, I thought that was really, really cool. That fight scene was, like, really wild, too. They were just, yeah. like, spraying him with blood, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, I can imagine, like, a meme already from that scene. It's, like, when you really want chocolate, and then, you know, like, blood just comes down or something. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, I can imagine him filming. He's like, Andy, right. I've never wanted chocolate that <laughs> bad. Like, Three, two, one. Okay, Song Kang, get drunk of blood now. He's like, okay. I know. <laughs> I know, he was, like, totally naked, too. I think I saw so many booty cheeks in the last, like, A lot of booty cheeks. Episodes. I was like, oh, man. Especially because we're watching My Demon right now, and I was like, oh, my God, Song Kang and Dude. My Demon versus Song Kang. Uh, also, okay, so season Seagull. one and season two, definitely I can see a difference. Like, he was a little mm. bit... Yeah more like not as toned not as like muscular a little bit more derpy in season one and season two mm-hmm. he definitely looked a little different yeah dude when he was talking to mad scientists and he was like you know you could just see kind of his shoulder area i was yeah. like oh my god what is his shoulder span like that is a wing like Song outside Kong, of his fake wing songong has grown up before our own eyes on on, on netflix really yeah, <laughs> so it's great so wild. uh final question that i had before we close out their storyline and i wanted to pass this to andy because you you just watched season one so andy for for our listeners and for us jenny and i too do you mind clarifying, like, what is the parasite demon really trying to do? Because he was obviously tortured and experimented on in the base. He's able to escape. He finds Honggang. And to me, it seems like he's trying to get Songgang for them to just storm the base again. They, they kind of just go in. It's a botched entrance. And they're just simply captured again. But what do you think that guy is trying to do? Yeah, so... Season one, he was basically like, he did the analogy of wolves and rabbits, uh, where he wanted Mm. to, like, he's a wolf, and he just, like, rabbits are inferior, so he just wants to kill them all. Like, he just wants to, like, play around with them. And Song Kang convinced him, saying, hey, you know, we should probably help these people. We should probably not kill everyone kind of a thing. And so that's the start of season two. Um, And then things went sour, which they also didn't talk about, like, his memory, like, thing, because he got glimpses of, like, the memory, the bodies. Memory. The gangsters' memories, yeah, the gangsters' actual memories. Uh, yeah. But I think at this point, he is fully succumbed to the. He just wants the monster to come out for everyone. He just wants everyone to burn. He just wants to see the world mm-hmm. burn. Essentially, he just wants chaos. Yeah. He just wants anarchy, yeah. and that's that's his main goal. Okay, fair enough. Know. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, uh, I think this is a great segue into the next storyline I wanted to touch on. This is firefighters, and it's all linked because you have the mad scientist, you have that one body within that glass case that even Gangster recognizes. Um, and I think Gangster is the one that finally puts that body out of the yeah. misery. You have um, Yi Xiong's character, the fire firewoman. She's finally back into the base. What did you guys think about her storyline? And we really don't see her after episode three, that that crazy birthing scene. Like, what did you guys take of all of that? 
So whatever her husband has got into, like, I feel so bad for him because looking at him in that little glass case was so depressing. And I wish that we had more information. The fact that I know we're already mm-hmm. halfway through and we've learned zero about that is a little bit disappointing. Like, I feel like I have absolutely no idea what that was for unless you guys picked up on anything else. So I kind of wish we had more about the husband. Her demon baby, I was like, oh my God. Like, I don't really love that situation. Like, What, like the birthing scene itself? Because uh, it was gruesome? I just, I don't like the idea that she gave birth to a yeah. demon baby. Just like, period. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't like it when we go into that, like, territory. And I know, like... The this is more of like a horror theme, I think. Maybe that, I, I don't know, like the horror movies like to include. But like, I personally hate the demon baby idea. It, it was just, an like, epic scene though. It was epic, but it bothered me so much. Like I just, <laughs> I didn't even want to see it. I was like, I know this is like cool to some people, but I was like very, very disturbed. And just, it just felt so bad for her. Because literally her husband's dead. She gave birth to their kid who was a demon baby, which probably goes back to the fact that like, maybe the husband was like part demon, even when they made the child like just weird stuff and i'm like oh i just i don't like when we get into that territory i kind of like the idea it's like organically people turn into demons but when we get into the biological stuff Mm -hmm. it just makes me really because it gets to the point where like because monsters are created based on human desires right that's what we've seen yeah and like the baby doesn't really have a desire like i mean it's a fetus at that moment so how does it turn into a demon kind of a thing so then it gets complicated there right yeah, exactly. So I just don't love it. I think it probably sets the stage to be like, here is how we, you know, because it's now biological, we can actually fight it with a vaccine or something that maybe some King's character develops. Maybe. I don't know if that's the angle they're even going for. But overall, n- not loving what they did with her and her kid. I just am mm. just not to say it's a bad story writing. I just think personally, I don't yeah. I don't love that. Before we go to Andy for his take, do you think she's dead or no? No, she's alive. I think Demon Baby saved her somehow by eating the mm-hmm. um- umbilical cord. <laughs> so how epic is it going to be in like episode towards the end of the second half? Like she comes back time, you know, post time jump, yeah. like baby's grown. He's a demon baby from birth. Like, is that an angle oh. you're even interested in seeing? I don't know, man. I just don't like. I just don't like it. <laughs> so, right, well, especially because he's gnawing at the umbilical cord. Yeah. Like, right from the get-go. Like, if it was a cute yeah. baby, demon baby, I was like, oh. Like, maybe, like, from episode one, where, like, you know, that little cute demon that got stabbed? That was really yeah. sad. Like, maybe yeah, if it was, was as sad. cute like that, maybe. But this one was, like, a full-on, you know, demon. <laughs> huge, too. I'm like, that busted out of her belly? Like, holy shoot, you know? Yeah. yeah. All right, Andy, what did, what did you take about Firewoman's um, whole story? Yeah, line? I mean... I feel like she's always been complicated since season one. Uh, in mm. season one, they really didn't give her that much airtime or like explain her story that much. And like her character in general has always been like always trying to figure out what happened to the husband. And right now mm. in the first four episodes of season two, like we still really don't get that much information about her. She's always in this, you know, disguise of like a soldier and she's always running around. But like we don't really know what's happening. And I feel like I still don't have the full backstory on the husband as well like and he's now he's dead uh so yeah. i don't think we'll fully get th- everything too do you do you think that she's alive after episode three or you think i she's think dead? so yeah i think she's right now this dilemma of like okay do i kill this baby or do i take care of the baby i think that's what right she was trying to figure out when she was crawling towards mm-hmm. it okay so this is a good segue now for us to get into this next topic it's it's this 
crazy mad scientist angle and it for me it actually kind of changes the lens that i'm viewing this this drama with mm-hmm. and i feel like in S- sweet home one it was around you know these monsters are um kind of dominating the humans but in the second season i started to really sympathize with the monsters yeah. and you see how they're experimented on and how how poorly they're treated and there's a lot of examples of monsters that are trying to do good um and no one cares they just they're just viewed as monsters and they're being killed but a- andy what did you think about the the mad scientist our favorite dino nugget monster uh, dino nugget character and was he in season one at all yeah no he wasn't in season one at all i think they introduced him for season two but mm-hmm. I, I don't know i really don't like this mad scientist angle i really like why can't they have like a good you know, genius person, you know? Like, they always have to have this mad scientist who just wants to, like, see, oh, wow, there's this new disease. Let's play around with this new disease, and he turns out to be, like, really bad. He just wants to see the world burn as well. Why can't we have a morally good person? Uh, in terms yeah. of, like, the, the monsters itself, like, the good monsters, they didn't really show, never, they really never showcased, like, good monsters helping people out as much. Like, I kind of want to see more good monsters um, mm-hmm. protecting people, and people kind of, like, integrating them maybe just like in season one where they're kind of integrating uh the monster like the monster that helped the baby you know the slime monster i guess yeah Yeah. maybe more of that i think that would be kind of cool what did you think jenny about the mad scientist i i think this goes back to like we're getting into very like we're trying to explain this using biology right because you have a mad scientist who's experimenting like we're getting really sciencey and i think one of the charms that i enjoyed about sweet home season one was the fact that it seemed like it was just a situation out of human desire it was like almost a psychological thing so unless they can really explain this well like this goes back to like I think Mike Ripe with like Black Knight, you know, not to give a spoiler here, but like in Black Knight, they also go very sciencey angle to explain everything. And I think the explanation just didn't really sell me, which is why I was kind of like iffy about the show as ending. And so I'm just getting worried that we're going to mm-hmm. get into that territory where they're going to be like, oh, it's actually this cell who that generated yeah. this. And, and I'm going to be like, oh my God, like, are we really going to do yeah. this? You know, I kind of liked how it was vague and we didn't really know why, but like, mm-hmm. you know, there was like this unspoken rule that it was because of people and like, you know, their brains and the way that they think. And I would have been okay without... Their desires. Yeah, like I would have been okay without the science angle so i don't really love that they added it but i'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt i think the show's just changed a little bit because of season two for me um so i'm just hoping that the charm from season one still sticks through um but i guess we'll just have to see so for question now for both of you two that one uh white white haired uh general or head of the military he was questioning the the mad scientist for something that the mad scientist either hid or he put somewhere away what what was he trying to get what are your predictions for that was it the cure or something yeah i think it was the the vaccine yeah yeah i think it had to do with like how they were created and how to get rid of them something along those lines i think yeah and that means a cure is available then no he said he has the vaccine but he didn't actually fully solve it there's a tidbit where he's like i but i couldn't solve this one portion uh, and I, th- I, f- I have a feeling it's alluding that, like, because he's a mad scientist, he can't solve it because he's not morally good or something. Oh, yeah. it's like 
the answer is love. Like yeah, yeah you know, it's like, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's either Songang or the girl that that yeah. has to be that final piece. So that'll be interesting. I think that's now a great segue into this next topic. So we have a very very strong military presence in season two, and just this general theme of like neo humans versus humans, mm-hmm. and are humans even better? You. You ride off the bat, and we've seen this in like um, titles like "All of Us Are Dead" or "Duty After School." You have these like aggressive military people who are, some of them are just horrible human beings, even though they're military. And there was that wild scene I think you mentioned it earlier, Andy, where there was that one demon who has a baby. And the demon wanted to save this other human baby and stuff. So to me, that's not a bad demon. And there's one yeah. general or one military person that wants to kill them all. The other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. The military angle in and of itself is very interesting and new. But are you guys liking it so far? Personally, I don't love it. I I think my gripe here is like I'm so like disclaimer. I'm not a huge fan of like general apocalyptic mm. movies. So like. Like, for example, you know, throwing American shows out there, like Walking Dead. I'm not a huge fan of that, you know? And, like, even some of the ones that we review, like Duty After School, All of Us Are Dead, I think I like it when the portion of the story doesn't involve the military or the Mm. military has, like, minimal kind of, like, involvement in the storyline. I think that's when it's fun for me. This one where it's now, it's like, oh, the military right or wrong versus the people versus the demons versus, you know, the people who are against the military and for the military. Now it's just, like, in a... It just feels very, like, typical, and it feels um, not as new anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think what I loved about Sweet Home 1 was because of the stories of the humans and the people, that like, that part of it. And now it's, like, with the military, I'm, like, ugh, like, I don't know. I don't love it, but I think I'm, I might be on an island here, so... No, I agree. And just to give my perspective, like I loved Sweet Home Season 1 because it was so refreshing to see the claustrophobic aspect where you have a bunch of people... And they're not close knit. These are random residences mm-hmm. in a building, all stuck in a, all stuck together with monsters trying to kill them. Once they left, and now you have this military angle, it really just becomes how do we kill as many monsters as possible? Yeah. So it kind of lost the charm from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But what do you think, Andy? Yeah, I mean, so it's like a there's pros and cons. I think in this apocalyptic world, I think all these worlds always have this military presence, and the military presence always is always the bad. Be- the baddies yeah. like you know they're always like always, power right? hungry you gotta kill everyone they have no morals kind of a thing aggressive why can't, why can't like have, macho aggressive yeah why can't they have good military for once you know <laughs> it's like know, change it up right? and i think that's the problem that why we don't care much about the military because they're always the same cookie cutter bad guys uh, yeah. but in terms of this though i thought the military was cool because okay in terms of props it was great they had all like the really really cool props for the military <laughs> i thought i was like wow this is done really really well it was legit yeah <laughs> Uh, and I do like the the top military heads. I think they actually do have like we do see in the first episode like the the guy with the scar, the old the old guy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He was like question like you know he let the baby go, but he's like right. killing things. So he's like wow, this guy's a hard head, and he's kind of a dick. But we do see that he actually kind of cares for the people, and he does what it's good. Uh, so I kind of like his character right now for that. That's true. Actually, that's a good point. I think right now, at least in episode four, most of the quote-unquote bad military is kind of gone, right? Like, we, the main three military people, we have the younger cop and the two older, not cops, sorry, the younger military guy and the two older, they all seem to be more or less, like, 
morally just in the situation yeah. they're truly just trying to help people out like they're not trying to kill people mm-hmm. or monsters unnecessarily i think it was interesting that they started like tagging them like how you tag like bears and stuff like yeah. this one's green because right, you right. know they're not going to be violent and stuff like that so i think it was interesting that now we're like truly just learning how to live with these um like monsters and the military is trying their best to just deal with the situation mm-hmm. at hand and i feel like you know there's the younger so <laughs> Let's use three bears analogy. There's the youngest, mm-hmm. you know, military person. That's Chin Young. Yeah. And then you have, um, you know, that middle one. Where he was really aggressive. He wanted to kill even the baby. And then you have the oldest military person who was like, we're only going to kill human harming ones. Yeah. And it feels like the middle and the oldest kind of melded together. Where now yeah. they are tagging. They're not going to kill all demons mm-hmm. blindly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was good. Uh, just to wrap up this whole military section, you know, I, I really like to see that the military this time around in this show didn't just blindly follow orders. They took it upon themselves. They yeah. stormed back in when that head head person was bombing civilians like they knew right from wrong yeah. from that perspective. Yeah. And they kind of overtook that whole situation. I really liked that. But I'm curious how you guys took it. Yeah, I think it was good. You know, once again, it's just nice to see characters fleshed out. Like, so like so many times, shows just fall back on military evil. Military only follow order. But, like, now we do have a little bit of diversity of thought. Yeah. And those are the people who are surviving, so I appreciate it. Yeah, I think, right, like, so- those are the, two, the episodes that I didn't like. You know, episode one and two with, like, the evil military. And then for yeah. them to like, finally, like, take over, like... Dude, the first military, they're just shooting civilians when that monster was like running down that tunnel. I was like, dude, you guys are like the yeah. worst military people ever. You're not even protecting your own civilians. And then the leaders in that room were like the worst leaders ever. Uh, but mm. now in episode four, like it's 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 a lot better. Yeah, for sure. Love it. So let's get into our, our second to last topic here. So I want to talk about episode four as a whole. Now, just to just give my perspective first, I was really confused when episode four started i almost i almost stopped it jenny remember and i was like i swear we 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 missed an episode because the end of three going into four it was like night and day Mm -hmm. and i think it's just really implied i wouldn't even want to use the word implied i mean i think there just has to be some type of time jump and it's inherently a different show now Mm -hmm. where now as you mentioned it's kind of like walking dead it's about a group of survivors learning to live together and make a new civilization i think they're in this the stadium it's military run and operated and the people just have to live with them and it's this new world. We still have Gominzi, who, in my opinion, is seems like the new main character, or at mm-hmm. least the main focus. Um, I I don't know. It just doesn't seem like C- Sweet Home season one, and now it doesn't really even seem like Sweet Home episodes one to three. I I would love to get your guys's take on this new direction of the rest of the what is it five episodes that we're gonna see yeah no for sure like she's kind of like this almost like outcast now in episode four it seems like she killed somebody and everyone hates her for it because the main chief like who kind of runs the place like the person she killed is the main chief's husband so it's like okay like we're now in a different world plus like Okay, like, am I tripping, Andy? Or did season one, Song Kang and Gomenzi had a bit of a love line, no? No, I don't think no, they did. No, I don't think so. Really? I no. thought they had, like, a little moment, no? Am I tripping? Oh, her okay, line they was had, more like, with her well, brother. 
Because you remember, she was, like, kind of, like, you know, it was, like, a Duna moment where she was, like, on the roof. Oh, yeah, yeah. It it was, no, there was was a couple moments. Because, like, there was one time when the brother came in and says, like, oh, you know, you're confessing your first love or something, something like that. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm. so, like, there there was a little moment, yeah. There's a moment. Okay, cool. I'm not completely crazy. So I was like, oh, I wonder if that's going to get explored. But now Gomenzi kind of has like potentially a new love line with the young military guy, I feel like. Maybe. I don't know. So, I don't, I don't, anyways, I don't know about that. I don't know. But it's just like, I feel like the show's kind of changed in that way. Um, and I don't know how to feel about this new direction. I think in my head, because, you know, from the first season, we had a lot of rookie actors and actresses. You know, I would say in 2020, Gomenzi was kind of a rookie actress mm-hmm. still at the time. And so now she's obviously blown up into a huge, like, mainstream actress. She's so talented. She's so beautiful and amazing. And so I think that's why she has such a bigger role now. And she truly is, I think, a main character, like Brandon said. Um, I don't know yet how I feel about it. I think we just really have to see how they play it out but inherently now like we're just dealing with a different show what did you think about episode four andy yeah i think we're in a different show i think they're trying to like explore this different realm of an apocalyptic zone and then with the introduction of this girl character right there i think they're trying to Mm -hmm. explain i guess the monsters more with this second half as well uh and they did say that was like d minus like 350 days since like the yeah. first monster outbreak i kind of wish they showed more about that in season one season two of like how many days passed by because technically i think it was only 20 season one was only like 20 days actually uh yeah, and so, so like too. up to the first three episodes was probably like two more days after that so it's like very very short yeah i i mean for me do you guys feel like you would have rather had the first kind of main plot be ended before they jump into this kind of time jump or are you okay with kind of how we need to put that storyline on pause for now this one to run in parallel what would be part of the main plot in your opinion whether or not we think Songgang is really dead yeah. and like the whole mad scientist angle is there the even baby? a cure you, yeah like you really put all of that on hold and now we're just starting a new civilization That's and true. seeing how they they're just gonna live yeah. You if that's the angle, you could do many many seasons of just this like Walking Dead lasts for 10 seasons, you know, yeah. of just people living in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I think like I I'm okay with the fact that some things are on pause. I think they left everywhere everyone at a, the right place, right? Like Sun King's character Demon is literally just he is rock now. He's just alive he's but a, rock. a rock. He's rock. He's petrified. And now, like, you know, Firefighter and her demon baby, like, I don't even want to think about them. But, like, <laughs> you know, like, I think it makes sense that, like, okay, like, who is the group that truly has a lot to flesh out? And it's the survivor group. So I'm okay with the fact that mm. they kind of did the time jump. I think it makes sense um, that they kind of focused on that group. Do you guys like how many new characters they introduced in this in this episode for? I don't love it, but I think it's necessary. Right. Mm. I mean, you're starting a new civilization. Yeah. You need to keep players in it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I also feel like some characters have just gotten really big maybe. And so they just need to kind of stand out. And like, we just had such a stacked cast from season one. Like literally like every single person in that cast has become so popular when they were rookies back then. So it makes sense that like you have to shift the dynamics mm. again now that we're doing this um, new show like three years later true i, I do want to say from going from season one to season two i definitely wanted to like back 
the main survivors more. Like these are our homies, you know. We we yeah. went through season one together, and they're the best of the best. They're the cream of the crop. Uh, they survived on their own and did all these things. Uh, in season two, we didn't really get too much like to follow them with these new mm-hmm. characters and the new characters that like the, the the old survivors that came out. They didn't turn out to be the best either. For example, like the glasses guy that was still he's part of the survivor group still. He's yeah. still kind of like a little bit wimpy. We do have the the guy that like that mm-hmm. turned into the face monster. He was just like, you know, a jerk too. He's also moo. He's mean. Uh, yeah. So like, it's kind of hard to fully back all the survivors. It's basically just Gomenzi at this point, right? Yeah. Well, I thought that you know the face monster guy in season one, he had a strong redemption moment too. Like yeah. where we were kind of like, okay, you're you've passed the vibe check again. Like he was always kind of weird, but then he did something. I think that we were like, okay, yeah, okay you're yeah. cool again. Wait, who's the face monster? The one that like kills the baby. The one. Who's it's like, the one that activated the the alarm. He activated the alarm, and then in oh, the in the oh, bus, oh. he turned into like the face. Yeah, and he yeah, killed yeah, yeah. Uh, the child. He killed the yeah. <laughs> That's what you yeah. mean when he killed the baby. Yeah, yeah, I see, yeah. I see. So like, I don't know. I do agree. Where I was kind of like, oh wow, like everyone from season one is just dying, and we're just it's like a new cast now. Yeah. So that yeah. was a little bit sad for me. Am I the only one that's crazy enough to think that Park Yu Young, she was the actress from um, It's Okay Not to Be Okay, she she had uh, the red got, highlights. Got the, uh, she got appendicitis, and yeah. Lee Yun needed yeah, to take yeah. it out, and I think she was impaled in the leg in this last one. I feel like she's not dead. Like I got really strong vibes and hints that she was also a demon. Do you guys think she's dead? That's or what I, I got crazy? too. Because I was like, right. is she going to turn into a demon to save the kid kind of a thing? Right, and They right. did that one moment where like, he, they, she stood too long at that like inspection like to right. slash her blood. And yeah. There's another I scene that. where like the shit was going down and she was just standing there. I thought that's because she busted her eardrums. So she no. What, oh, yeah. So like, remember when the thing fell monster. down and it felt like time was reverted or something? Yeah. Like, if I, was like I was like, wait, did I just watch this scene? And then she jumped into action to save the kid. Do you guys remember that? No, that's the scene I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. I was, like, Wait, I, I, I was yeah. convinced she was a demon at mm-hmm. that point. Oh, interesting. I don't yeah. know. I didn't get that, but I hope you guys are right. Uh, so you I'm think she's dead? Track, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought she was dead. All well, right. she's too busy filming A Good Day to be a dog right now, so maybe that's... Uh... <laughs> Fair enough. All right, guys, let's wrap this session up. So, so last episode... Or sorry, last topic. So we are only going to do one more episode to review the second half of this season. What do you guys want to see for episodes five through eight to really finish out Sweet Home Season 2? I think we need a good explanation on <laughs> the scientists and just firefighter storyline because I think that was the big mystery from season one. And, you know, I think both Andy and I touched on this. We haven't gotten anything else from season two. So I need like a little bit more there, you know, just to understand what this whole situation was about. Um, I think we also need to make sure that Sun Kang comes back. I want him to rejoin the group. I think it would be good mm. for him to like see everybody again. And you know, obviously now we're introduced to the girl character who seems to have the same powers as him. So I think there needs to be some connections there. I don't see, honestly, how they're going to wrap this up in another four episodes. four episodes. There's just so much content and like, we're on episode four and we still don't have too many answers. So I'm sure there's going to be a season three. I think I saw something online about that being thrown around. So I'm assuming we're going to end this with still a lot of questions. I don't want to give too many hopes and dreams yeah. right now. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why we keep talking about walking dead. It might be because you, you brought it up, Jenny, but I watched all the seasons of walking Dead. All 10 seasons. Yeah. And, and my issue time. with walking dead it is it's one of those shows where there truly can't be a, ending because 
like the world it's it's post apocalyptic like yeah there's no answer mm-hmm. there's real it's just season after season about people living in a life like this yeah and so when i saw episode 4 happen i was like oh my god like that means they can just pump out so many more episodes of how tough it is to live in this type of world and i didn't want the show to go down that angle I I want them to be able to keep some semblance of hey there is a cure we're going to be able to save the monsters and we can at least get back to the world at least the way that it was mm-hmm. you know some type of version of that uh, when you go too far into now like hey all hope is lost and this is totally this new world like I feel like it just really changes the show and there really is no end in sight yeah I think that's a good point and you know I do think that with the evil scientist angle we will probably get an answer and i think that's their one key to kind of prevent what you're saying about the we're just going to have to live this way for the rest of our lives and figure it out i think that's what's going to actually tie this show up however i don't think it's going to get explained in the next four episodes yeah i, I think what jenny said earlier dude this is always the thing in the case for these type of shows is like we want a good ending we need to explain the science kind of a thing and <laughs> um and i'm scared they're not going to do so kind of similar to like duty after school and uh, mm-hmm. and black knight but no i agree with brandon too i think they're back in the society world that like i kind of want to see like the the reason why I like season 1 versus season 2 more uh cuz season 1 we had this character development and all the characters that we got they're all like good moral characters mostly but now these new uh survivors you got the military uh protecting them you got like the chief family whole business and you got these survivors they're all like trying to go outside and like do things like there's just so many problems happening in this like this society whereas in season 1 the problems were just let's just try to survive against the monsters and yeah. i'm really sc- i don't want them to like delve too much about like from the monsters i kind of want them to just like okay how are we going to deal with these monsters and just kind of wrap it up Yeah, I hear you. Agreed. Alrighty. Well, I think so far we are enjoying Sweet Home 2, but I think consensus feels like Sweet Home 1 was still in a different realm right now, and I think we just have to see how they continue the storyline. We'll see. I'm still hopeful because it is still an epic show. Yeah. And absolutely. it is fun. All right. So that wraps up Sweet Home Sweet Season 2. So next week we're going to continue reviewing My Demon episodes 5 and 6 and we'll finish up Sweet Home Season 2 episodes 5 through 8. Johnny? Yeah. So follow us on Instagram, um Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Pitch and Plays. Check out our Ko-fi and our Patreon. Patreon is where we'll have our new Patreon episode for December, which is Twinkling Watermelon. And please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Andy, please send us out. This is the Pitch and Plays, and we're out. Bye.